millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to day 24 of 31 Days of Terror. I have five spooky listener stories for you today and story number one comes from Carrie. A couple of years ago, my sister and I were talking about the house that we grew up in. She is five years older than me, so her memories are better than mine. I have very vague memories, but I remember the pictures that we had on our mantle above the fireplace. Specifically, There was one of my two sisters, myself, and our dog, Murphy. When I brought this up to my sister, she said, We didn't have a dog then. We got her two years after that picture was taken. She tried to tell me when we got the dog and where we went to pick it up. I don't remember anything she said, but I know in that picture I had the dog on my lap. We've been through all of the pictures that my mom has and nobody can find it. My mom doesn't even remember the picture we were talking about. So was it a glitch in the Matrix, or was this like a preview of the dog we were getting, like a pre-ghost dog? Anytime we bring it up now, our mom says we're both crazy. And story number two comes from Mary. My name is Mary and I have multiple stories, but I'll start with the earliest one that I am aware of. I don't remember this happening because I was only three years old at the time. The story has been told to me by my mother. When I was three years old, my grandfather, my mother's dad, passed away. The day of his funeral, my father was unable to attend, so it was just me, my brother and my mom. On the way home from the funeral, my brother and I were strapped into our car seats in the back seat. My mom said that I started laughing. She asked me what was so funny and I didn't respond. I continued to laugh like I didn't hear what she said. She finally got a little louder and said, What's so funny? I finally stopped laughing long enough to tell her that Papa is playing with the baby girl. Papa has a baby girl. My mom slammed on her brakes and pulled over to the side of the road and started sobbing. Being that I was only three years old, I was too young to comprehend the idea of death. I wasn't able to understand when my grandfather passed away that I wasn't going to see him anymore and I was too young for my mother to tell me the story about her sister. I was unaware when I saw my grandfather that my mom had a baby sister named Amy Jo that passed away at one month old. I, to this day, believe that my grandfather showed me the image of him reunited with Amy Jo for my mom's sake. My mom's mom passed away ten years before I was born. When she lost her dad, she was absolutely heartbroken, and I think he knew that she needed to understand that he was okay and he knew that I knew nothing of Amy Jo or of the concept of death, so showing himself to me with the baby would seem totally normal. 
the only reason I could think of that he would do that is because he knew I would say something to my mom and it would comfort her to know that he is okay with her sister. And story number three comes from Amy. I've always had an interest in the paranormal. Even from being six or seven years old, I remember asking my friends if they knew any ghost stories. I could have sat and listened to them for hours, even if they were made up, which they probably were. But nevertheless, I loved being spooked, then passing on the story to spook other people. I got a buzz from it, and I still do. However, my own ghost story isn't made up. It's very real, and I haven't told many people about it until now. My husband Mark and I bought our first house in 2011 in my hometown in Lancashire, England. It was a 100-year-old, two-bedroomed terrace house and we loved it. We had a little girl who was 18 months old at the time. We were overjoyed at buying our first home together and had great plans to do the house up and completely renovate it from top to bottom. We bought the house as a repossession and it had been empty for at least five years before we moved in. Everything was going well and we were happy until one night we woke to a strange noise. Running water. Not a trickle, but a blast of water. I knew immediately that the shower was on, as I had a baby monitor next to my bed, and the bathroom was next to my daughter's bedroom, so I could hear the shower sound through that. The first thing I did was check if my husband was having a shower, and note he was laying next to me. Then I panicked like fuck, I instantly thought of my baby messing around in the bathroom with hot taps and such, so I literally ran to the bathroom. The shower was on, but my baby was still fast asleep. Not only that, but at the time she slept in a cot, which had sides on, that she couldn't climb out of. So who the hell turned the shower on? The power to the shower was controlled by two mixer taps, one of which had to be turned on manually. We were creeped out but put it down to a pressure build-up. I don't know if it's possible to turn on a tap due to pressure in a pipe, but that's where we left it. A few months later, while my husband was at work, I was about to take a mid-morning shower. My daughter was sat on my bed telling me a story when she said something about that man. I asked her what man, and her reply was, The man stood behind you, mummy. I kid you not, I froze in fear, not only because I was alone in the house with potentially a man there, but because I was butt naked about to get in the shower. I slowly turned around and to my relief there was nobody there. I corrected my daughter and tried to laugh it off, saying, there's no one there, silly. But she was adamant there was a man there and was even pointing to him and looking at something up and down. Needless to say, I skipped that shower and got dressed as fast as I could. The third and final part to my story came when I was cooking dinner in the kitchen, which was a galley-style kitchen at the back of the house. With all of the internal doors open, you could see right through to the front door, which has a vestibule. Every night, like clockwork, my husband came home at 5.30pm, and the dogs circle his ankles greeting him as he returns home after a hard day's graft. I am always in the kitchen cooking dinner at this time, and that night was no different from any other. Although it actually was, I just didn't know it yet. I heard my husband's key in the door. He pushed open the front door and then closed it behind him. 
He then opened and closed the vestibule door and I leaned back from the stove, looked in his direction and said hi. There was no response. The dogs were going mad, circling him and jumping up at him like they always do and the noisy extractor fan was on in the kitchen so I thought maybe he hadn't heard me shout. I thought never mind, he'll be in the kitchen in a minute, asking what I'm making for dinner as he does every night. I waited and he didn't come in. I thought rude. So I went through to the living room. He wasn't there. I shouted upstairs. He wasn't there either. So I rang him thinking that he had gone back out. When he answered it sounded like he was using his hands free in the car. I asked him where he had gone because his dinner was almost ready. And he said he was about 20 minutes away. I thought he was playing around so I told him to be serious and he replied... Amy, I'm deadly serious. I'm about 12 miles away. At that point, my stomach dropped. Who had I just seen enter my house? Not only that, but who had my dogs greeted at the door? I gingerly checked every single room in the house, thinking that someone had broken in, but there was nothing. It really freaked me out. But at that point, I just knew that something or someone was trying to make themselves known to me. So I acknowledged it. I said aloud, We really want to live here alongside you. We know that it's your house, but we've bought it now. So if it's okay with you, we will live here with you peacefully. We now know you're there, but please can you stop doing things as it is scaring me. And it won't be long before you start scaring my little girl. Nothing creepy ever happened again and I just felt safe and comfortable there. We had nine happy years there and went on to have another daughter. Last month we moved house and I was mindful about saying goodbye to our ghostly friend. Again I said aloud, it's time for us to move on now but thank you for sharing these past few happy years with us. Whoever it was living in that house I don't believe they ever wished us any harm. I think they just wanted to be noticed and once again feel like part of the family after being alone for years. I just hope that the new owners of the property are as understanding as we were. 
I was six years old in 1992 when we moved into the house my father had built for us in a suburb of Kansas City, Missouri. It was new and exciting. It was also the first house built in what would become a subdivision. The house was a standard ranch-style home with one level of living space and a full-sized unfinished basement below. My younger brother and I would play in the basement regularly as it was the perfect place to rollerblade, play ball, etc. as it was a concrete floor with concrete walls. There were two half windows that allowed light into the basement and one large shop light which kept the basement well lit during the day. I never had an uneasy feeling or a worry in that basement for the first three years. And then one day it all changed. It was a stormy day in the spring and the sky was very dark outside. I was playing soccer with my brother in the basement and I chipped the ball up into the shop light and it broke. The lights went out and we screamed as young boys did in that situation and we grabbed each other. When that happened, it went dead silent. Like completely silent. It was still pouring rain but I couldn't hear it hitting the windows. My mother said she ran across the floor above us when she heard us scream, but we heard nothing. My mouth was open and I could feel the vibrations of my own scream, but I heard nothing. It was like being in a vacuum. The first sound I heard was a deep, long breath near me. I could feel it on the top of my head and I could smell a sewage stench. I felt like that moment lasted forever. Then suddenly... Lightning lit up the outside window and I saw a shadow withdraw from right in front of me towards the back of the basement away from the window, followed by an instant deafening thunderclap. I could then hear our screams, my mother yelling for us, her feet on the stairs, even the static white noise of everyday life again. We ran to her and she grabbed my brother. I remember screaming at her to go upstairs as I pushed her towards the 20 or so steps to the main level. She went before me and I just felt a sudden feeling of being chased. As I got to the first stair I felt something grab the front of my ankle as to pull me backwards and I jumped two stairs up passing my mother and sprinted to my father. We tried while I tried to explain what happened but it was lovingly dismissed as two kids being afraid of storms and the darkness. My brother is three years younger and he just stayed silent. We found out the next day the lightning we saw hit a tree in the woods about a hundred feet behind our house. When my dad and I went to look at it, we discovered an old concrete storm shelter, a six-foot doorway at ground level with concrete stairs leading about seven feet underground. It was a bunker of sorts with grass growing on top of it. I asked my dad what it was and he told me that the land we built on and all the land around it used to be a pig farm and that it must have been the family storm shelter. He wouldn't let me go down there because the ground was full of leaves and debris that had been collecting for who knows how long and there might be snakes. What I could make out in the dimly lit bunker opening was some sort of graffiti on the walls. I developed a new issue after that. I had horrible night terrors, vivid dreams in which I died. The way I died would vary, sometimes a car accident, sometimes a fall, but when I would die I wouldn't wake up as most people do. I would see my dead body lying there in whichever manner I had perished and would begin to hover above it. 
I would see the faces of people around me reacting to what had happened. It was as if I was an aerial camera angle on a TV show, except I was also the point of focus. And when I would have those dreams, I would sleepwalk. If my parents woke me before I died in my dream, I would be standing in our living room above where we had been screaming in the basement. If they woke me as I was dying in my dream, I would be at the top or making my way down the stairs. And if I was hovering when they woke me, I was in the basement in the pitch black. When that was the case, I usually awoke to the basement light being turned on. This went on for a few years, roughly from the ages of 9 to 11. When we would play in the basement, things were fine, but we always had the light on, and we never went down there in the dark or during storms. When we would finish, we would argue over who had to turn the lights off, and one of us would hit the switch and sprint up the stairs, lifting our feet as high as we could with each step. The neighbourhood had started filling up at this point, and there was no shortage of kids to play with. We would play in those woods near the bunker, but per my dad's direction, I never went in. My friends decided they had the courage to go in one day, and I asked them to use my Polaroid camera to take some photos inside. It was an old camera I bought at a garage sale, and I still used the clip-in flash bulbs for lighting, but the photos were instant, and to an 11-year-old kid, it was pretty cool. So they went down and started taking photos. The graffiti I had seen was in red spray paint. It was a star, similar to the one my teachers would write when I did a good job, the ones where the pen never left the paper with a circle around it. This meant nothing to an 11-year-old boy. I found it interesting that it almost seemed to have a glow to it, like a reflective quality. There were other drawings and letters and words, but nothing else that really stood out at the time, except a photo that appeared to have not rapidly developed properly. In half the photo, there was another symbol I didn't quite recognise. It was two circles below a vertical line with lines going through it. At the time, I thought someone had gotten the Gold Ranger logo from the Power Rangers wrong. The other half was what looked like a melted blob, like half of the photo had burnt or just not developed properly. I asked what had been cut out of the photo, and my friend who took the photo just replied, Oh, that was just the star thing. I already got you a few pictures of that. I took them home and told my parents what we had found and explained that I never went in and I was again forbidden from playing around the bunker and I never saw those photos again. I was done with the bunker. My friends, however, thought it would be a really cool hideout. They would ask me to come and play and I would decline. My parents were not very strict, so when they did give me a restriction, I rarely disobeyed. They brought various colours of wall paint they had laying around their houses and painted the entire inside. I told my parents what they had done and asked if I could go and see but I promised not to go in and they agreed. The boys had cleaned out the entire place, painted the floor, the walls and the ceiling, shades of blue, purple and green. Gone were the drawings that scared my parents, the debris that filled the bottom and the possibility of those snakes that I had thought had scared my dad. It just felt different. But it smelled awful. It was a rotten smell, like a gut shot deer and it was blowing out of the bunker like a light breeze. I asked if they had found an animal when they were cleaning, and they laughed and said they had found a few frogs and some big wolf spiders. I said no, like a dead animal. Is that why it smells so bad? They kind of looked at me funny now and said, 
dude, that's just paint that you smell. And I think it smells good. That night, I had a night terror unlike any I'd had before. I was nine again, in my basement, with my brother. The light over my head exploded, but the lights never went out. Everything was in slow motion. I could see the powder from the fluorescent shop light slowly falling around me. I could still hear. There were our screams, the rain and the buzz from the broken light above. They were just muffled and slow. I heard laughter. Deep and hollow laughter coming from the back of the basement. I saw a twisted mass of smoke and hair and horns moving towards us. I was frozen and I couldn't move. It formed in front of me. I started looking at it from bottom to top as I screamed and cried. Smoke from the floor to its waist, thick black hair on its chest and arms, and its face was a moving blur below horns. It was twice my size in height. The blur moved towards the top of my head and I could feel it breathe, smell that familiar smell, and now I could see two hollow black circles in the middle of the blurry face. Its arms reached out to pick us both up at once, but the lightning struck. The figure returned to the mangled mass and appeared to be pushed back towards the back of the basement and through the concrete wall. I awoke to my mother calling my name from the top of the stairs. I was in the basement again, but this time the lights were on. The next day we went out to play in the woods and discovered the bunker had imploded. It had crumbled around itself and was just a pile of broken concrete and a two-foot-deep divot in the ground where it had stood. I went and got my dad to show him what had happened. He stood there, perplexed, and said, That doesn't make any sense. That was thick concrete. It looks like it had been torn down. But it would take a machine to do that, and we didn't hear anything last night other than you doing the tour in the basement. He reached out to the city who owned the woods to see if they had done it. They weren't even aware it was there. They came and cleared out the concrete and filled in the hole. And that was the last night I ever had those night terrors. The last night I walked from my bedroom to the living room to the stairs and to the basement. I lived in that house until I was 18 and briefly again in my 20s and spent large amounts of time in that basement throughout my childhood but always with the lights on and always without a vent. I even moved down there in my teenage years after we finished it all up into a rec room, computer room, bathroom and bedroom. But I always had the lights on in every room. Always. And every time I would head upstairs, I would shut the lights off and run up the stairs, lifting my feet the whole way up. And if I'm being completely honest, I still do. Okay, I've got to stop recording in the dark with the curtains open (sighs) I have my back to the majority of the room and uh, I keep looking up at the window thinking I'm going to see somebody standing behind me and it is freaking me out okay story number five comes from Emily when I was in high school I wanted a Ouija board my mom wouldn't let me she had a bad experience when she was in high school This was the late 1960s. She was playing with a Ouija board with some friends and they asked a question about who would die first. And the board said the name of one of her friends. A few days later, that friend found out her boyfriend had been killed in the Vietnam War. 
This, of course, freaked my mom out and we weren't allowed to have a Ouija board in the house. My friends and I ended up making one out of a piece of notebook paper and used a coin as a planchette. I don't remember much success with the board. We mostly played at school at lunchtime. There was this one time that one of my friends had a crush on a boy at another school and no one knew his phone number. I don't remember the name of the crush so let's just call him Clark. Of course we asked the board what his phone number was and it obliged. We walked over to the payphone and called the number. And when we asked for Clark, the guy who answered the phone said, Yes, this is Clark's residence. I myself am terrified of aliens. I think watching Unsolved Mysteries in the 80s did that to me. When I was a kid, I was so sure they were going to abduct me from the shower. I'm not sure why it was in the shower, but that's what I feared most in life. I live in Nevada. I've driven all over this gorgeous state, but I've never encountered the black-eyed children or skinwalkers or aliens for myself, thankfully. But my uncle was driving through the desert town by Area 51 late one night, about 45 years ago. And he looked over, and there was a small humanoid running through the desert next to his car, at the same speed as him, staring at him. He noped out of there and he still won't talk about it. My ex-husband and I bought a house built in 1925. I don't know the history of the house. I meant to research it and never got around to it. It had been remodelled a few times and the bathroom was sort of levered off the side of the house like the bathtub was an afterthought. The water coming out of the faucet was electrified. That is the only way to describe it. It had an electric current running through it not enough to hurt but you could feel it tingling when you were washing your hands. And if you touched the metal towel bar before you were completely out of the bathwater, you got one hell of a shock. No one could figure out the electrical eccentricities in the bathroom. And there were other electrical repairs in the house that made me think a previous owner had paid their cousin a six-pack to fix things. So I just chalked it up to the joys of owning an older house. My husband worked nights, so I spent most nights in the house by myself. It was a really bad neighbourhood, so I was on edge a lot when I was there. I also suffered from sleep paralysis. Although I never saw anything, I did have an uneasy sense of some malevolent presence. I spent a lot of time with a blanket over my head, trying to muster up the courage to say, you are not welcome here. We had a roommate for a few months. One day she came over to me and told me that while we were at work, she had a friend who was a psychic come over. The psychic said there was a portal to another dimension in our bathroom. There were weird otherworldly creatures going in and out. She said it was negatively affecting my roommate and my husband, but not me. Then my roommate demanded to know what I was going to do about it. How do you reply to that? Um, It's not affecting me, so nothing? I said we could smudge the house. The psychic friend said that wasn't enough and I needed to hire a shaman. I bought some crystals instead. The roommate lost her job soon after and moved out. Then I told my husband and then he told me he wanted a divorce and wanted me to move out. I don't know if there was a portal to a different dimension in my bathroom causing bad energy but I now live in a 12 year old house with my boyfriend who has been the sole property owner and I don't have sleep paralysis anymore. When I was 19 I had to get up really early like 4am early to go on a road trip. I was leaving to start university. 
My bedroom was in a hallway that ended in the living room. I got up to take a shower and glanced into the living room. There was a large TV bookshelf probably five feet tall across the room from me. There was a black shadow figure sitting on top of it with his arms by his side leaning over it. Like you would if you were sitting on a rock wall or a ledge and wanted to use your arms to push off and onto the ground below you. He was pitch black and opaque and didn't have any features. There was no hat so it wasn't the hat man. I of course was startled but I didn't get a bad feeling from him and there wasn't anything I could do about it. So I just went and took my shower. He was gone when I got out and I never saw him again. Probably 10 years later my parents were still living in the same house and a friend of theirs was living in his motor home in their yard. I was over there for dinner one night and while we were eating the friend told a story of what happened to him that day. He had been in the motor home in the afternoon and dozed off in a chair while watching TV. The door was closed but he said he felt a presence like someone was watching him. And when he woke up, as soon as he opened his eyes, he saw a shadow figure right in his face. And then it just disappeared through the closed door. I felt my hair stand on end and I said, yes, I saw him too and told my story. Sweet validation. But my dad was so upset. Not that his house was haunted, but that the shadow man hadn't appeared to him. My dad genuinely felt left out and rejected by the shadow man and now had FOMO about it. And no one has seen the shadow man since. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you so much to Carrie, Mary, James, Emily and Amy for sending in your stories. If you would like to send in your own story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. And you can also check out our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, we shall see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.